I'm going to start off with a little story, just to lighten the tension a bit. So, a man was being tailgated by a stressed out woman on a busy road. Suddenly the light turned yellow just in front of him. He did the right thing, stopping at the crosswalk, even though he could have beaten the red light by accelerating through the intersection. The tailgating woman was furious and honked her horn, screaming in frustration as she missed her chance to get through the intersection, dropping her cell phone and makeup. As she was still in a mid-rant, she heard a tap on the window and looked up into the face of a very serious police officer. The officer ordered her to exit her car with her hands up. He took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and placed in a holding cell. After a couple of hours, a policeman approached the cell and opened the door. She was escorted back to the booking desk where the arresting officer was waiting with her personal effects. He said, I am very sorry for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn, flipping off the guy in front of you, and cussing a blue streak at him. I noticed the what would Jesus do bumper sticker and choose life license plate holder and follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker and the chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. Naturally, I assumed you had stolen the car. So I started off with that because that's not whenever we ever be like Jesus. Bumper stickers on your car aren't going to make you look like Jesus. That's not what does it. And our theme, obviously, this year is wherever we never be like Jesus. And so what basically we're going to be doing during the year is we're going to be looking at the attributes of Jesus. We're going to be seeing how he talked, how he interacted with people, how he associated with people, um, and just seeing his actions. And um, above the other Gospels, we're going to be looking at Luke, because that is the book where it shows most of um, Jesus' humanity. And so that's the book that we're going to be looking at um, today. Um, and Ray started off last week in, in Luke chapter 2, um, from verse 41. And so we're going to be looking at that again. Um, but I'll just pray to start, eh? Yeah, God, we thank you so much that we can come here together. Lord, that we can have a great time together worshipping you, praising your name, God. And Lord, I pray that there is revelation of you that is revealed today. Lord, that there is revelation, God, that people know you on a brand new level. People know something new about you, something that they can take into their life and act on that, Lord. Lord, I pray that purpose is revealed today, God, in people's lives. Lord, that people are healed tonight in Jesus' name, that people are encountering you, God, that people know something new of your spirit, of your kingdom. Lord, we give this night to you. We love you. We honor you. You're the bomb diggity. We love you, God. Amen. So, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 41, reading from the New Living Translation. Just give you a bit of time to get there. Okay. So, from verse 41. Every year... Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. 
But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, flip, three days, you would be crapping yourself if you were a parent and you hadn't found your kid three days later. They finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the other people. So what I'm speaking on is in verse 43, where it says, His parents didn't miss him at first. They didn't miss him at first. And so Jesus was 12 years old, and he didn't go home with his parents. They didn't miss him at first because they assumed that he was among the other travelers. And Dad talked about that this morning, assume. He said the classic quote of, if you assume, you make an ass out of me and an uh, are you and an ass out of me. And that is pretty true. And so, at first they assumed he was with the other travelers. One thing that really grinds my gears and I hate hearing is when people say, God hasn't got time for me. Or maybe, maybe, um, oh, God doesn't have time for me. Or there's someone else that needs uh, God's help more than me so he can deal with them first. I hate hearing that because God has time for everyone. He has time for everyone. And one thing with assuming is if you assume things, I don't know about you, but if you tell yourself a lie, which this is a lie that God has no time for me, it starts to linger in your head and you start to believe that if you say that to yourself for a certain amount of time. If you lie to yourself, it suddenly becomes the truth for yourself. And so don't let that lie become truth. Don't let lies become truth. Don't assume. But Psalm 139, if you want to turn to there, talks about how God has time for everyone, that he is a personal God. So Psalm 139, still from the NLT. I won't read all of it, but you'll get the idea from the first bit. So from verse 2, it says, You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your head of blessing on my head, hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. 
it goes on and on, Satan, other things, but that shows that God has time for every single person. Last time I preached, I, I um, talked about how God has no favoritism. He doesn't go, oh, yeah, I like Muller a bit more than Jay or something. No, he loves everyone the same. He has time for everyone. Another good example of that is uh, the youth. We had a youth camp last year in October, which was awesome in Raglan. And, you know, there was, uh, there was Keith in one corner and there was Bob in the other corner. Suddenly in the middle there's Bobolina, you know. They're all encountering Jesus at the same time. It's not just God's going one by one. No, we saw many kids, and we see this every week, encountering Jesus all at the same time. God has time for all of us. And so when we uh, have the attitude, I'm going to go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 40, if you want to flick there again. So in verse 44, it says, But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When we have that attitude, we can actually miss out on blessings and we can miss out on encounters from Jesus. And so we start looking for God in other people or in other things. And so that's what it says here. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When we should know that Jesus is at his father's house. In other words, he is in that secret place 24-7 waiting for us to encounter him, for us to hang out with him. He is 24-7. He has time for us. And also, just a thought. I put this in just last minute. Don't assume that people don't want to come to church or youth. We can't assume that. Because we can't make the decision for them. I have a friend who, um, who started coming to church last year. Oh, no, it was the year before that, actually. Um, and I, to be honest, I thought he had no, you know, he didn't care at all about, about God or church. He even called himself an atheist. And I just randomly out of the blue said, bro, do you want to come to church this week? And he goes, yep, keen. If I'm, I was making a decision for him for a whole year up to that point where I finally manned up and, and asked him. So we can't assume. We can't assume. <laughs> Don't make the decision for others. So, are we searching for Jesus for ourselves? Are we after our own personal relationships with Jesus? Or are we looking at, at it for at others? For example... Um, I remember year 9 and 10, that's where I fully, fully started getting really passionate for Jesus. And I'd come home from school every single day and I'd flick on Todd White on YouTube. Loved him, loved him every single day, watching him for hours. I know some of my boys have been watching him too. He's awesome. And basically, I loved what he was saying and I loved his encounters. I loved his testimony. But one thing that I always, always, um, well, I notice now is that I I enjoyed listening to his, but I didn't go for my own, if you know what I mean. I, I loved hearing about his encounters and his testimonies and that would make me excited, but I wouldn't go and encounter Jesus myself. And so that's where I had to turn my shifting around and I had to stop looking for my faith and for God and Todd 
on, on the YouTube channel or in other people, but I had to start looking for him myself. And so if we want to find Jesus, we need to go to the Father's house. That's what it says in Luke chapter 2. It says that they found him in his Father's house. So if we want to be more like Jesus, we're never aware of it, be like Jesus. We need to be in pursuit for him. We need to pursue intimacy with God because that's what he did. That was what he was all about. He went straight to the temple to hang out with Father. So Jesus' whole purpose was to do the will of the Father and be intimate with the Father. And the purpose of his mission was to connect us to the Father like he was. We are called to be in connection and intimacy with Father God as Jesus was. And so he had to go to the cross to do that. That was the process. And if we've never encountered Jesus, how are we ever going to notice that he's gone? If we haven't encountered Jesus, we're never going to notice he's gone. It says that his parents didn't miss him at first. Yeah, but will we even miss him at all if we haven't encountered him? Are we missing Jesus in our lives? Do we need to search for him? Do we need to go to the Father's house? And church is an amazing place for encounter, right? It's awesome. But we can't limit ourselves to the church to hear. Actually, Father's house is, in other words now, is in the secret place. Jesus is 24-7. He has time for us. Whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you're in your car, whether you're at church, God is there. God is waiting to encounter us. So Jesus pursued intimacy with the Father. And so if we're supposed to, we never were ever be like him, then we need to pursue intimacy with the Father. And so that's, that's the main point which I wanted to cover, is that Jesus pursued intimacy with the Father. He did. And so should we. And we don't just see this in chapter 2. By the way, he's 12 here. And he goes to, the, he goes to the, the temple or God's house. Like, 12 years old. What a beast. Man, alive. That's pretty cool, though. And so we need to pursue the intimacy with Father. Um, just like Jesus, if we want to wear ever. We never be like him.